hey, this is Richie coming at you from the School of Marketing HQ. Before you dive into the show, I just want to tell you about a brand new short 12-week program we've launched called the Giants Marketing Masterclass. The program gives you access to insights and expert comments from over 25 CEOs and CMOs from major companies like Unilever, L'Oreal, M&S, Pret, and WPP, just to name a few. We focus on six key areas of marketing, customer, brand, commercial, creative, channel, and data and analytics. So if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions, do check out the School of Marketing website for more deets. Alrighty, for now, enjoy the show. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of All The Places We'll Go with your hosts, Richie and Mark. Now, look, today we have Craig Fenton on the show. He's the Director of Strategy and Operations for Google. Now, Craig is an absolute cracker of a guest, and we're really privileged to have you on this morning, Craig. So thank you for taking the time. Um, Craig, I mean, look, Craig's sort of list of things, of, of, of achievements go on and on, but he's been an entrepreneur, an investor, a mentor, and even a founder. Um, and in fact, kind of meshes all these things together at the same time um, whilst working for Google as well. So I, I don't know where you get the time, Craig, but we'll come on to that. Um, look, Craig has got a real passion for business and technology, and he's worked in the industry for over 20 years. Although, interestingly, it's not where he started. So there's some interesting stuff around pivoting, which I'm sure we will talk about this morning as well. Um, finally, Craig, perhaps really interesting to me, is the fact he actually created his own record label called Big Community Records. And it's an independent record label to support talented artists of lower socioeconomic backgrounds and areas. So, um, Craig, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Um, and over to Mark for the first question. Yes, thanks, Richie. And as Richie says, fantastic to have you on the show, Craig. Uh, so just to get us started, uh, tell us, where are you and how are you? Where am I and how are I, I'm in my home office. Welcome to Google Home, uh, or at least Craig's home. And uh, I'm uh, based in London uh, here. How am I? Um, I'm great. You know, my health is good. My family's health is good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm standing in a, a well-equipped uh, home office and, uh, you know, I feel very privileged. It's been a kind of a crazy year, uh, but, uh, you know, I've got a job and, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, to be able to work with, uh, with others and uh, hopefully give others uh, an opportunity to survive, first of all, and then thrive as we merge, uh, emerge out of this. Craig, you say that you're in the, the Google Home Office. I love that phrase. Um, how is it, how's that been? I mean, how has that transition been for you? I mean, I, you know, the, the, the word on the street is Google has got slides in their office. So, you know, maybe a, a transition to home is quite, yeah, quite dramatic. We definitely don't have slides in, uh, in this office, in, in my home office. I, I, my, I think my wife was pretty nervous about me being at home so much. So that was the first, um, that was the first challenge to, uh, to get used to me being sort of scurrying around the house the whole time. Um, I'm enjoying the short commute. It's just up the stairs. So that's nice. And it, it, it helps with productivity. Took me a while to sort of tune the, the uh, home working gear, get the right desk, a bit of a standing desk and a couple of monitors and, uh, you know, and some lights. And hopefully the technology will hold up during, during our chat today. Uh, but it's it's been good, you know. It's um it's a little tough being on video the whole time, don't you find? But uh, uh, you know, we've found ways of bringing that to life as well. Yeah. 
we, we obviously have to apologize for not using any uh, sort of well actually we're live on youtube but uh, for using zoom i know that must be sort of slightly painful but uh, apologies um so i mean you've just given a hint at what a crazy year this has been and it's been you know full of ups and downs for everybody if, if you could fast forward maybe five years and say try to explain to somebody in five years time what 2020 has been as a year how, how, how would you describe 2020 in the rearview mirror what a great question uh i think it's 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 caused change but i would say change in the form of more in the form of acceleration i think a lot of the things that have happened this year uh have happened just more quickly than they were happening anyway whether it be uh in business sort of pivoting more to an online customer experience obviously that's been a necessity uh during the the periods of lockdown that we've had uh moving to a more flexible working style i, I think that was a trend already that was in existence uh, and, and perhaps a, an increased consciousness on the things that we really value, uh, things like uh, the local high street and the, and the small businesses on it, uh, and each other, um, how society to, can, can come together. You know, the disease is awful, but it's a great leveller as well. It's common to all of us. And I think the way that the communities have, have responded in the UK and around the world is, is remarkable. I was on uh, on a call yesterday. I was doing a CEO roundtable, CEO roundtable yesterday, and um, many of the CEOs were talking from different industries about how they've managed finally to do things that they've been stuck on for years. Uh, and we were actually talking about, you know, how do you sort of lock that can-do, uh, no no barriers uh, mindset in amber. Uh, and make sure that it's not just an ephemeral and passing thing, but something that endures uh, beyond the crisis. So I think we'll look back on this year as, um, you know, as an unfortunate sort of uh, impact on, on humanity at a number of levels, but also a shock, a disruptive shock that produced many good behaviours as well. You know, Craig, I think, you know, we can't, we can't continue this conversation around current time without acknowledging that this week has pretty much been a monumental week in the, in the fight of, of COVID with the announcement of the vaccine and a real positive sort of new stories coming out of that. Um, and I guess, you know, some people are sort of craving to get some sense of normality, whatever that kind of means, uh, back in their lives. So what do you think would be some of the key things that, you know, maybe talking about it from your perspective or even from Google's perspective about what you think will, will kind of stay and perhaps moving into 21 and beyond? Um, and what do you think are some of the things that will sort of, you know, um, kind of was a, was a passing moment in time? I hope um, many of the positive things I talked about uh, will stay and, and endure, uh, whether it be this sort of flexibility. You know, I think companies that were already office-bound to recognise that productivity can go up. Uh, in this working from home or indeed working from anywhere environment. I think all of us have sort of discovered new things online, whether it be entertainment or shopping uh, or exploring, uh, exploring the world in a virtual way, educating. You know, these are, these are possibilities that uh, I think will uh, endure at a new level uh, beyond. And I think also this sort of consciousness uh, and, and value that we place on the local businesses uh, around us and particularly the hospital, you know, I, I really miss restaurants. Um, and as soon as the, uh, the, the latest lockdown ended, uh, my wife and I were out, uh, you know, enjoying a, enjoying a meal out. And I think it's so important to, um, uh, to protect and enhance that. There's one more thing that I, I really hope endures, 
uh, and that's the, the sense of innovation. I think necessity is obviously the mother of invention uh, and, and we've seen remarkable uh, innovation during this period. Businesses uh, pivoting to curbside pickup and other forms of uh, you know, delivering their service or their product in music where all of the live events have been cancelled. We saw the biggest live uh, concert in history, Travis Scott appearing on the Fortnite gaming platform in front of 27 million people. Uh, over the course of a week. The previous record for a big live concert was 250,000. So these are the sorts of innovations that are sparked by the forces of necessity, and I hope they'll, uh, they'll endure it. That's, that's fantastic. The, you, you talk about discovery of new things, and I think, uh, you know, obviously this has been a hotbed of innovation this year. Uh, but, but in terms of discovery, what do you think you discovered new about yourself through these times? I think it gives you a sense of perspective. And, um, uh, you know, I found myself sort of stepping back and really examining the things that I truly value in life um, and, and, and kind of living a little bit more in the moment. Uh, so, you know, I live reasonably close to Wimbledon Common, which is a big park in, uh, in southwest London, and just going for a walk in the park and admiring the, the, the trees and, and the nature uh, around us, even when you're in a city. Um, has been a, just a, a source of, of, of great joy. Uh, you know, the, the, the local businesses um, uh, around us having a job, you know, um, and being in a position to, to give others that opportunity is a, great, uh, is a great privilege and so important. And, of course, first and foremost, probably family and health. You know, my parents, as you can probably tell from my accent, are far away. They're, they're in New Zealand. And I've not been able to see them in the last year and won't, won't be able to do the annual pilgrimage back over the Christmas period either. Um, so, you know, you value family as well. And uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity also in House Party or Zoom or Google Meet or whatever your preferred platform is uh, to actually have social meetings with people that you otherwise wouldn't meet from different countries. And that's, that's been a sort of new thing and something I value some of those friendships. You know, Craig, it's, it's really refreshing that you said that it's a privilege that you still have a, a job. Um, but, you know, by, by no means is it a coincidence that you are where you are today because it's been an insane amount of hard work having, having researched your journey, um, clearly starting out as, as a barrister in the early days. But love to, love to hear it from you about, you know, join some of the dots of your career, um, you know, to the point where you've, when you've landed up as one of the head honchos of Google. Yeah, Richie, you've outed me. I'm a recovering lawyer. Uh, I spent the first six years of my, of my professional career as a, um, a, as a barrister and solicitor. It's a fused bar in New Zealand, but I did court work. So I had a horse's hair wig and the black gown and the, and the tabs, and I did commercial litigation, mostly in uh, a little bit of deal work. And it was a, a, a wonderful um, experience. Teachers use sort of advocacy, uh, attention to detail, and that sort of thing. But I knew I didn't want to be a career lawyer. I've always been a bit of a gadget geek. I've been now in technology for 20 years, first with Accenture, now with Google. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, the, the roots are for, for that are, are quite deep with me. I grew up in a country that at the time had 3 million people, pre-internet. You had to sit on an aircraft for eight hours to reach a country other than Australia. Um, so, and my father, who was an entrepreneur, 
uh, had his own business. He used to travel a lot and do um, buying trips. And I remember really clearly going to the airport with my mum, smelling the Avgas and having this sense of excitement, this exotic, you know, far away, um, you know, opportunity uh, that to me at the time felt both intoxicating um, but also somewhat unattainable and unreachable. And the reason I'm in technology is that I think it's sort of broken down those barriers. It's a great democratizer. And, and still today, the fact that we can, you know, uh, with just a smartphone and a good idea, start a micro multinational business or become a creator, do a podcast like you, you guys are doing and, and, and find an audience globally, that still to me is just like magic. And I, I, I find it uh, wonderful that... Um, that it's democratized talent and democratized uh, uh, entrepreneurship as well. I think it's a wonderful thing. So, so it seems like that from a very, very early age, that sort of sense of adventure and exploration was deep rooted. Fascinating that it comes from kind of being from an isolated island. Um, so, so is that really what, what caused your pivots in your career? Because you've done some career pivots and sometimes that's forced, sometimes that's by choice. Moving from law to management consultancy to technology it's so many different flips tell us a little bit about how you've moved through those pivots you know i could probably stand here mark and and look back and um explain my career as a carefully planned and surgically executed uh journey uh with milestones that have come exactly when i wanted them along the way and in my case at least that would be absolute nonsense it's what more what mathematicians would call a stochastic walk a sort of random uh stumbling uh, and uh, punctuated by uh, opportunity and timing and luck uh, along the way and a little bit of hard work. If there's a golden thread that sort of links it all, links this sort of wild archipelago uh, that I've been on, it's, it's kind of I've, I've always been quite um, determined to do what I really enjoy, that I feel I'm, I'm sort of uncomfortably learning in, and when that is no longer true, to change it. Uh, so if, if there's any if there's any sort of golden thread that joins it all up, it's uh, it's it's that one. You know, um, Craig, you came over to the UK having had a, a successful legal career, but the the the, the, the route you chose uh, to come through was to do an MBA at London Business School. So I'm going to ask perhaps the proverbial question that most young people ask: um, Is an MBA worth it? Well, I think the answer today is different than it was certainly when I did it, which is um, 22 years ago. Um, for me, it was uh, because, keep in mind, I was a lawyer. I was a barrister at the time. I was interested in business. It was essentially the dawn of the internet, crazy new companies with massive valuations and many failures along the way. And I knew I wanted to be part of that, but I didn't know how. So the MBA for me was kind of a rebranding. It was a retraining of sorts, um, although I, I, I did do a commerce degree um, in an undergraduate. So partially a retraining, but mostly it was a rebranding. It was a, a, a mechanism, a conduit by which I could transition and pivot in my career and then walk out credibly and say, OK, now I'm going to, to be in business, whereas before I was in law. And that was the, the story of many in my cohort, many engineers or doctors or people who have come from different uh, different professions wanting to get somehow into business or banking or uh, whatever it was. Um, I, I have this conversation a lot with, with young people who are sort of thinking about an MBA or even a tertiary qualification following school. And I think the options available today are so much broader. 
And I think the, uh, the, the main thing that you've got to be is really clear on the why. Why am I doing this, right? If it's to go deeply learn something, keep in mind you can deeply learn something on the job as well. There are wonderful apprenticeships, uh, for example, out there. I think you guys uh, offer one yourselves. And, uh, and, uh, and you're going to learn a lot on the job. You can throw yourself into your own company. I guarantee you, you'll, you'll learn a lot there. So it's not the only vehicle for learning. Um, if you wanted to sort of just take a couple of years out or however long the course is and just sort of um, spend that time feeding your brain, it's a great option for that. It's a pretty expensive option as well. So I think there are lots of different motivations and you've just got to be clear on the why and, and where it's all leading um, and be aware also of all of the options uh, or the other options that are available, I think, equally as valid as university these days. Yeah, I, I think it's, as you say, m many more options and in some ways a bit more bewildering for people about what to do. And, and, you know, at the School of Marketing, the great job that Richie does leading that company is to try and help some people through that fog. Um, now, now, this show is about undulations and recovery and setbacks and so on. So, so um, can, you, can you tell us a time maybe when you were, found yourself at your lowest ebb and what it was that got you out of that situation? Yeah, there's been lots of peaks and uh, peaks and valleys, I suppose. And... One of them, I'll stay with the theme of university. You know, I've, I've made a, a pretty bold move, age 28, uh, to move to uh, the other side of the world, different hemisphere. I was living at the time on um, borrowed New Zealand dollars, um, which, which were three to one to the pound at the time, slightly different now. And, um, you know, and that was scary. Uh, it was scary and exciting all at the same time. Brand new community, um, you know, that, that I was building. Um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, had come with me and she was supporting me actually through this. And I struck out um, during the uh, middle of the MBA, uh, started to do these job interviews, right, um, to, to try and get an internship. And I, I kept a record of them. I, I had over 100 interviews. And many of the companies had multiple interviews each, of course. And I also collected what we called at the time the ding letters, the no's. And I reached 55. I had 55 rejections uh, during that period, having sold, literally sold the farm, uh, moved hemisphere, you know, bet all of my savings uh, on this new course. And here I was sort of st stacking up tens and tens of, well, thanks for your interest in the application. The answer is no. And um, I suppose after a time, you, you build a resistance and numbness uh, to this, and uh, it becomes rather comical uh, in the end. But the great thing about the interview process is that it's very much uh, two-way. So if you get a no uh, from a company or an employer or an opportunity, it's usually a pretty good indication it, it probably wasn't the right thing for you anyway. Um, so sort of reframing that in a positive way uh, and, and just treating it as part of the, uh, the wild journey uh, was, was important to me at the time. Happily, I did land a, land a job in the end through perseverance, but it was pretty low. It felt a bit uh, depressing at, uh, at one stage. You know, Craig, it, it sounds, it sounds when, when you describe the, the nose um, as part of that, it, it sounds like, you know, data is at the heart of, of everything that you sort of do. And perhaps you've landed your dream job on that basis because clearly, Google is probably the, you know, the ultimate data-driven organization. But, but through that and through your, your day job, shall we say, 
you do so many other things, um, you know, a range of different side hustles. Um, what motivates you to do that? And you probably clearly have, you know, more than enough to handle in your day job. What gives you the motivation to, to do some of those other things on the side? Yeah, so Google is very much the day job. It keeps me very busy. Um, but uh, for me, Richie, it's more about balance. You know, I do different things um, for balance. I find variety exciting. I like to be uh, sort of comfortably uncomfortable, uh, if you see what I mean, and sort of learning new stuff and trying new stuff on the side. My wife describes me as an active relaxer. Okay, so a, a lot of these side hustles sort of emerge from that. So I'm an active angel investor. I've got 10 uh, small startups in my portfolio that I've invested in. I do that because I get a lot of energy from working with young entrepreneurs and helping them on their journey and learning from them, actually, uh, uh, hopefully as much, uh, probably more than they learn from, from me. Um, lots of different, uh, different businesses there, and it's a wild ride. Let's see if I've picked them well. Only <laughs> time will tell on that. Um, I've got this little YouTube channel. I try to meet two or three new people each week. And after a while, I sort of thought, well, why not film it and, and share it? Because I, I really do meet some really remarkable people. And uh, so that was a, a hobby and experiment in, in sharing inspiration. It's called Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration, the channel, by the way. Uh, and, um, you know, I do that uh, once a week, one video a week. And it's been a great opportunity for me also to play with um, Google's uh, technology, in this case, YouTube, and experience it from a creator's point of view. So I do all of the filming, although I could get help, I don't. I do all of the filming, editing, and publishing only on my smartphone. A little bit different now with the sort of, I use a home setup, of course, during COVID. Um, but I, I, I deliberately chose to do that because I wanted to learn how to do it and, and experiment with different microphones, angles, lighting, uh, and this sort of thing, and some light advertising, not just on our platforms, but on uh, competing platforms like Facebook and Instagram and, uh, and so on. Um, so that's, that's that. I have a, a hobby, which is flying. I, I'm a pilot, a qualified pilot, so I fly planes. Uh, and that's a really um, interesting thing. It's very cognitively intense. You have to be, be very much in the cockpit and focusing only on that. Um, but I like it because it's completely different from what I do during the day, right? So, you you know, it really does take you uh, to a different place. And, um, you know, the uh, record label, uh, Richie, that you mentioned at the start, Big Community Records, I started that sort of accidentally fell into it, actually, uh, through a mentoring relationship I had with a young man who was a passionate um, artist, musician from South London, didn't really have the oxygen to breathe, so to speak. Um, and I felt he deserved a chance. So I set up a record label and I signed him and we set out on a journey to, to realise his dream, which was to release an album. And that album called Blood on the English Carpet came out in July this year, right in the middle of lockdown. Check it wow. out. So Greg, it's, I'm sort of slightly out of breath just listening to the amazing variety of things that you do. So a slightly existential question, you know, what is enough? was enough um well my wife uh helps me sort of keep keep the right sort of barriers up i'm very happy to report i'm still married so i've obviously got that balance um about right at, at the moment you know I, I i think in life it's important to do things that are playful and interesting uh, so i try i try to sort of, sort of throw myself into something and and, and the less well i understand it if i'm 
you know, if I'm interested in it, obviously that's the threshold criteria, but the, the less well I, uh, the less informed I am on it, the better in a way, because it really is, it becomes an adventure. And I think life is an adventure, isn't it? And um, so, long as, uh, so long as I'm interested and, and um, motivated to, to do new things, um, I guess I'll, I'll keep doing them. Obviously, there's so many hours in a day, so I need to sort of contain it in that way. But, um, you know, uh, I hopefully, but hopefully the, adventure, the adventurous uh, spirit will never, will never abate. You know, and, and I guess, Craig, as part of the, um, you know, the culture that Google has, it allows you and it probably allows so many others like you to do these range variety of different things. Um, I mean, does, does that sort of ring true? I mean, so the Google's reputation as a culture is quite renowned. Um, do you think internally that really kind of did they do let you foster all these various angles that you you pursue? Yeah, very much so. You know, I love Google. It's a great company to work for. I believe in the mission and and and, and the moral compass of the company as well, which is important. Um, and and one of the things they do do is encourage you to play. Uh, there's a concept called twenty percent time, um, and uh, notionally, it's you know. If you've got a passion and interest that you want to work on, feel free to do so and do it on company time. Um, you know, don't go berserk with it, but you know, hence twenty percent time. And a, a lot of people do that. It doesn't necessarily need to be anything related to work. So I guess you'd say my YouTube channel is an example of twenty percent time. It's a hobby. I'm not doing it um, certainly to, to make money um, individually. Uh, it's not going to be particularly helpful for for Google, but it's an interesting. Um, exploration for me and many of the innovations actually that have emerged in Google have come out of 20% time. Gmail uh, was the invention of an engineer who, who, who didn't, uh, didn't like the email system that we were using way back when uh, so um, he went and tinkered and, and built Gmail which has now got 2 billion users globally and, and there are many many other examples of, of innovations that sort of came from that 20% time. I'm very grateful uh, to, to Google uh, for giving us the sort of scope and freedom to do that. So Google has done some amazing things, is doing some amazing things. I noticed the other day the carbon legacy, so not just offsetting today and going forward, but also undoing everything from the past. We've had, we've had Roland uh, Harrison before, and um, you know Google sometimes takes a bit of a bashing. I've actually been in research groups where we've been discussing Google, and people people love it and hate it at the same time. It's a weird thing, but they love the usage of it. But there's this sort of this, this sort of notion of a spectre of their power and influence, and so um, how how do you sort of reconcile in your mind or um, internalize the fact that some that customs have this sort of slightly jumbled up relationship with your organisation? I think it's part of the course, you know, um, and you know, Roland's my key business partner. We talk about it a lot. Uh, the uh, the scale of the business uh, and and the um, ubiquitous nature of the products that are sort of somehow embedded in our lives. Um, give us uh, both opportunity to, to, to impact the economy and help it recover and, and small businesses to set up and thrive and, uh, and for people to get a social message out there, uh, largely unedited and uncensored. Um, but it also uh, is um, a great responsibility and it's one that we absolutely embrace and, and accept. And I think the scrutiny is totally appropriate and we welcome it and we try to engage um, positively, uh, positively with it, you know, it can be a bit intense. It's a very intense uh, spotlight uh, that's that's on us the whole, whole time. As I said, 
it's one that's welcome and appropriate and uh, and the scrutiny is good. I think it makes us better, um, but it's not always easy. You know, Craig, I've, I've, I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm going to get a, a, a sneaky, cheeky question and then maybe ask a more sensible one. Um, but every time I've seen you do a podcast or, or a webcast, you're always standing up. Um, is that is that your status quo in meetings as well when you're working from your home office? Is that the sort of what, what you what you do? It is, yeah. I, I sort of, yeah, I can... I, I get more energy when I'm standing up and I feel like I, I can talk uh, and project uh, better. I'm uh, a bit of a gesticulator, as you can see, and it's, it's nice to be able to walk around. Also, I'm conscious of my incredibly sedentary lifestyle. I'm not doing as much exercise as I used to. Uh, so apparently they tell me you burn calories if you stand up, certainly more so than you sit down. I do have a seat. I do. I have a desk that goes up and down, but uh, I prefer to stand up in meetings. You're right. Good observation, Richie. But it's but it's really it's really cool and interesting. And actually, I've you know I've been researching the health benefits of it, um, and and there's so many. And especially, and actually, lets a lot of people think more sort of fluidly as well. And I, and I can see that you are sort of almost rotating yourself. So you're not kind of you're not standing still, but you're kind of. And I think that's 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 you know perhaps part of that. So anyway, I thought I, I thought I would ask, but the. The other, the more more serious question um, is clearly as part of your, you know, community builder and creator, what are some of the kind of key things that you picked up on about building building a community, fostering that, you know, getting some amazing people on? And and what advice would you have for people who are perhaps thinking about, you know, trying to grow their personal brands and and perhaps becoming a creator, growing a community? Well, I'll, I'll start with the community aspect as I sort of interpret it, and I'll talk about the social media footprint, which is, I think, the second part of your question as well. Um, on the community part, and, and Big Community Records was born from this ethos, I think um, talent and creativity um, is reasonably evenly spread in humanity, but opportunity isn't. Uh, there are many sections of our uh, society Um, both in urban centres and rural uh, areas around the country, um, where that opportunity just uh, isn't getting through. You know, there's uh, poverty, uh, there's a lack of information, there's a lack of positive uh, role models, there's a um, uh, a lack of um, uh, just sort of the the basics that many of us who have had a more privileged upbringing take take for granted. And I think the, the beauty about society is that you can build these bridges. And, you know, I, I've, I've gone deliberately um, into areas where I think, um, you know, have this sort of absence of oxygen um, to do what I can. I sort of start with, okay, what can I individually do to change at least one person's life dramatically? Uh, and I go from there. And that's, and that's where big community records uh, came from. And, you know, here's the thing. People listening uh, to this are, are probably thinking, well, that's a sort of very altruistic and noble thing to do. It is, but it's also selfish because um, I learn an enormous amount from people who have had a really hard upbringing and, and, and a completely different uh, experience growing up than I have. Um, you know, give me somebody who's, who's, who's been moulded by the contours of a hard life and hard knocks and develop the depth of character and resilience to make it through any day of the week. I want that person by my side. Um, I I think it's brilliant. And I just draw so much. These are the things that you can't learn and don't learn um, from the red brick universities uh, and and private schools around the country. 
Um, so I, I'm a big believer in, in sort of building these bridges and, and it's immensely fulfilling uh, to do it. If you've not done it, I would encourage you just to ask yourself, is there one person that I can go and help and change the course of their life? And, and almost always the answer to that is yes. As it relates to social media, because I think that was your, your at least the second part of your question, Richie, um, my main social media platform is LinkedIn. Um, I love it. I think it's a, a great professional, I use it for professional purposes, obviously, uh, great professional platform. And what I love about LinkedIn is the way that you can spark a dialogue and get a conversation going. Um, I meet most of, uh, most of the new people I meet every week uh, contacts through LinkedIn. I probably get 10 or 20 investor decks from entrepreneurs each week through LinkedIn. Uh, and we have some wonderful conversations over the course of, you know, the last, the last months. I've, I've had dialogues with many people about education and the future of education, how to prepare young people and not so young people for a different future. Uh, about entrepreneurship, uh, about music, about creativity and the importance of that in business and in, and in the arts. And, uh, you know, I think if you're sort of genuinely in it for the right reasons and, 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 and there to draw from a community and, and create a movement or a moment around the topic, uh, then, you know, the footprint will grow. And, you know, that, that's... That's, that's why I do it and how I do it. I don't, I don't go chasing numbers, um, you know, for the sake of numbers. I, I, like, I like the community aspect of it as you, as you embedded in your question. It's a lovely thought just to rewind a, a couple of minutes about helping one person in their life, improving one person's lives. Like, um, if I may say so, you're, you're, you're very composed. You're very, you're very zen. And there's a lovely comment, and I'm going to get the name wrong terribly, from either joke or joke. Okay, or Yoko, okay, apologies. Um, but it said, uh, um, Craig's ambience is well thought through. I'm learning. Thank you so much. So you are very zen. So I'm, I'm just intrigued to know what, what really pisses you off. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I didn't expect that question. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Yoko, for, for the uh, comment on ambience and, and zen. I've never really thought of myself as zen. Um, what pisses me off? Uh, well, I, you know, I try, to, I try to sort of frame everything in a positive lens, so you've really got, got me thinking about that. Um, it's very tempting to talk about politics, but I'll stay away from that. Uh, you know, that's a, uh, that's a subject. I, um, you know, I, I, I get irritated where people have a, a position of privilege and power and don't use it for a positive purpose. Um, that really annoys me. I don't think it's an acceptable um, part of being um, part of humanity and in a community. And um, I think during COVID, we've seen some remarkable stories of the opposite, of people really sort of digging in and linking arms and, and, uh, and helping. And um, when, you, you, when you have the brain and the position and the power um, and don't use it in a positive way, uh, that really annoys me and, uh, and I don't like it. Um, what else? I mean, uh, well, you know, uh, like all of us, I'm getting a bit, um, a bit sick of the lockdown. You know, we're social animals. Um, I, I wouldn't say that's uh, that's sort of pissing me off more than sort of just it's a it's a frustration. I think it's probably one that's pretty widely shared. Um, but you know, we've got to we've got to follow the guidelines and follow the science. Um, other than that, um, 
you know, I can't, I can't put my finger on anything. There are like trigger points here and there, but I try to be quite positive in life. I'll have to speak in a sec, but just, just one follow up there. I mean, that, that's a brilliant answer because the notion of privilege has only really emerged in 2020. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a bit of a wake up call for everybody. Just, just as it goes, we'll find a way, Richie, to get it out. But I came across a great survey this week, which asked you 30 questions. If you answer yes to 30, you'll get a score of 30. No to 30, you'll get a score of minus 30. And it talks about the privilege you had in your life. And I was on this webinar and it ranged from people in the high 20s to the low 20s. Some people had answered yes to only one or two of these questions about their lives. And it was a massive eye opener to register in me the privilege I've had. So we'll find a way, Richie, to get it out to the community. But you raised a fantastic point. What, what better thing to be annoyed about in the world than the fact that people don't use their privilege and influence to help others? So fantastic. Thank you. Back to, sorry, Richie, back to you. No, no, not at all. I mean, I think, I think it's part of that. I just wanted to kind of follow up on that. And if someone is thinking about, you know, help or trying to help, I mean, often, um, you know, people are well-intended, but either it ends up in unintended consequences or they just don't know how. What kind of things would you say to somebody who's, who's thinking about, you know, trying to, trying to make someone else's life better? Um, well, other than the obvious, which is sort of to work with local charities and uh, volunteer organisations, I would say there's a lot that you can sort of do in the, in, in a, on a personal mission. Um, be open to mentorship. Um, my experience is that mentorship is very much two-way, and I think I learn more from my mentees than, than they probably do from me, or at least an equal amount. So be open to that. Um, spend some time um, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. It's super easy um, to, to be sort of suburb-locked and uh, keep going back to the same bars and the same restaurants and the same things. Um, you know, take, take your, your, your partner or your significant other or your family and, and, and go explore Camden or, or, um, or Hackney or, uh, or Brixton or a different part uh, of Manchester or Liverpool, wherever, wherever it is you're watching from, the city that you're in, um, and, and discover and talk to people. <laughs> you know, um, once we're back uh, and able to circulate more freely, um, I think we'll, uh, we'll start to uh, really value uh, the interactions that we've lost. And, you know, it's not necessarily, uh, not, not necessary to sort of sit on the tube or the public transport and sort of look straight ahead or at your phone. You can actually have a conversation. Some people might think you're a bit weird. But, you know, if you just strike up a conversation and be open to that, you never know where that might lead you. Uh, and that's, that, that was my story. I sort of started talking to a chap and he turned out to be homeless and uh, peeled back the layers and found out more about him. And I was able to help him in, in a way, get back into housing and get, get a job, get his identification back and, and this sort of thing, and you know, it made a big difference for, for him, and it didn't cost me anything in, in terms of uh, in, uh, in terms of time or money, really significantly. So just be open to having those conversations, I'd say. Mm. Um, so you're, you're a young young fit guy. You've got many many years ahead. What 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 do you when you look to the future? What uh, what's what's on the bucket list unfulfilled as yet? Maybe. Mark, I officially love you for, for calling me young and fit. Um, I'm not so young. I hope I'm a little bit fit. What's on the, what, what's on the road ahead? Well, um, who knows? Uh, I think, are you guys with me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, who knows? Uh, 
I, I kind of like to, I'm, I'm really intrigued to about um, film. Um, I'd like to make a movie, I think. And, you know, not personally, but I know some great people who, who would dream of, of making a movie. Um, the person I used to create the music videos um, for the records that, that we just released, uh, Dreams of This, he's a Zimbabwean um, immigrant who saved up, bought himself a computer, taught himself how to code and then how to do special effects and his dream is to make a movie. So I, I think I might try and make a movie next year, a short movie at least. I don't know anything about that and I think it might be quite fun. Um, uh, I'm thinking about um, getting a small home recording studio, uh, not to record myself because I can't sing and I'm not, I'm not musical at all, but I, I kind of like the idea of um, playing with, uh, with music, building a beat and learning how to do the um, composition and production side of things. I think that would be, be a cool project. And, uh, yeah, maybe taking my YouTube channel in some new directions and experimenting with, uh, with different sort of contents and formats. Um, that's always fun as well. Wow. It sounds like at the heart of everything you do, there's a sense of creativity and curiosity that really plays central to, to that thought process that you have. I mean, do you think that's sort of an essential skill moving forward for people to kind of embody and engender? A hundred percent, Richie. So, look, uh, moon landing was 50 years ago, right? Modern computing, 35. Internet's 22. Smartphone came out 13 years ago. Machine learning in a sort of practical sense, five years. Last year, quantum computing. Last week, protein folding. So these sort of compression cycles of innovation are getting um, closer together and more material. Um, and COVID's just sort of put all of that on steroids. So we can't predict what's happening in January, let alone you know, what's happening in three years' time. But the fact is that change is constant. And if you live in a, in a world that's changing the whole time, then um, the ability to remain adaptable, agile, to embrace a life of uh, learning uh, and, and pivots uh, to see around those corners, imagine a future that's different uh, from today and then go create it. These are superpowers and they're all different words for describing uh, a really core uh, piece of humanity, which is creativity, uh, imagination applied in a valuable way. Uh, so I think the, um, uh, the, um, the, the skill and comfort to operate with creativity in that ever-changing environment will be the superpower and it will separate the, the great uh, from the good. So, you know, my advice is to, like, nurture that side of your brain uh, in whatever way, uh, you know, I express my, my creativity in business. Um, others express it in art or dance or music. But nurture that side of your brain. It's more important than ever. Coming, coming from the man who works for probably the, the greatest data-driven organisation in the world, saying put creativity at the heart of your skill set. I mean, how does that marry up? Uh, well, I think the digital age is more than ever a human age. Uh, I'll say it again. The, the digital age is more than ever a human age. Technology in and of itself has zero value. Uh, it's just a tool. Um, what's important is how it's applied. Uh, and that, that comes from the imagination, right? Computers aren't imaginative. Um, people are. And the, the great asset in Google is not the technology that we all use um, day in, day out. It, it's the people and the process and the culture that creates it. Uh, so I see it as incredible. Uh, I, I see it as absolutely aligned. Um, and and uh, 
you know, and and uh, and as I say, technology is an enabler. It's a tool. It's a context. Um, it's ever changing, but it's it's coming from people, and uh, that's why the technology age is a as uh, a human age. Love that. Well, um, well, uh, it's it's eight forty five UK time anyway. Uh, th- this has gone by in a blink of an eye. I think there's many unanswered questions, but unfortunately, we do have to come to a close. So it remains to to say a few words, do a bit of a wrap and a, and a massive thank you. Um, Craig, so I'm, I'm very struck by the way that you can balance multiple things. So you talked about humanity and digital. You've obviously got a wide portfolio career um, and you hold sort of, you know, a- ambition, but in the right way, very, very, very nicely. Um, I'll also take away the, the Zen thing, obviously, um, but probably most of all, the, the a general sense of adventure, which probably started, as you said, as a child, on an island 8,000 miles away from anything. I like, I like the way you say, other than Australia, sort of, you know, let's discount that. But anyway, um, it's, uh, you know, that sense of adventure, which you're clearly carrying as strongly as, as you ever did, and I'm sure you will in the future. So loads of very, very lovely insights today. Really uh, been hugely your experience and very, very grateful to have you on the show. So I'll, I'll hand to Richie to do a thank you and actor as well. But thank you very much, Craig, for me and on behalf of everybody else. Thank you, Mike. And, and Craig, I mean, you know, too many highlights um, for me, but the things that I've really taken away is the way that you coined buzz terms. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, active relaxer was a good one by your missus. Um, micro multinational, um, another one which I thought was just brilliant. Um, digital, you know, is a human thing, is in the human era. And I think all these things for me really just, you know, sort of stick in the mind. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the charm of it. Um, you know, really kind of blew it in my mind to solidify that thinking. So really, really appreciate your time today, Craig. It's been an absolute pleasure and really look forward to continuing the conversation on, on many other occasions as well. My, my pleasure, Richie. I love what you guys are doing with this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And um, just as a very quick outro, guys, um, as you know, we are here every week, 8 a.m., Friday mornings um, on the All The Places We'll Go show. Um, next week, we've got John Wilkins, who is the current Global Mark Managing Director of the Creative Council at Accenture Interactive. Um, he was also, prior, prior to that, he was also the chairman of uh, Karmarama um, and the founder and chairman of Naked Communications as well. So if you want to hear from his perspective, be sure to tune in next Friday at 8. But for now, have a great weekend, everyone.